Hey, I don't know about you, but lately I've been feeling like I'm in a sea of anxiety, right? I mean, everything around us is changing, and what I want to give you today is a life preserver. I want to give you actually two life preservers that you can hang on to. These are practical, practical life preservers for you in a sea of anxiety. And if you feel like, man, I'm just totally drowning, maybe you just grab onto one of them today. If you feel like God's holding me up, but I could use a little extra help, there's two of these for you today. Let's talk about some of these waves that each of us are dealing with right now. You know, we have the wave that we had a predictable routine. You know, on this day I go here, I see these people. That's just totally gone, isn't it? And I know that's so hard. I mean, that might not seem like that's as big of a deal as being sick in the hospital. Yes, it's not. But emotionally, if if that's one of your waves, that is hard. I mean, our whole world has turned upside down. And it's hard when you're used to having some alone time at a certain time of day. Now you're home with the kids. That's one of these waves, right? There's the wave of income and financing. Uh, The wave of being unemployed or the wave that your business has had to close down and you've got this, this not merely a business, but it's your life dream that you've put years or decades into and now the doors are closed and you're wondering, when am I going to be able to open the doors again? And will this dream that I put my life into, is it ever going to recover? Am I going to lose my house? I mean, we have these waves that are just beating us one after another, right? I mean, we miss so much the family members we love, and the other relationships, people we love, that it's one thing to FaceTime or Zoom or Skype, but it's just, we wish we could be with those people. And then there's the wave of the anxiety of of our own health. You know, what if I get this thing, and what about the people I love who have gotten this thing? And I know there's so many just within our church family this last Tuesday night when we had our prayer time. And you can see people on the right side of the screen typing in the names of loved ones and typing in prayer requests. And so many who are on ventilators or who are at home but have been diagnosed. And then, of course, there's this just wave that seems to be sweeping over us, this wave of uncertainty. I mean, we don't know how long we need to stay in our homes. We don't know how many of us will get this. We don't know how many will survive it. We don't know when this thing will end or when we can reopen our businesses. Let's be honest, we're all in a sea of anxiety together. Now, I want to encourage you today that there are life preservers through God that can carry you through this time. And here's the question that we're asking together today. What can you do when you find yourself in a sea of anxiety. And let me start by giving you hope because you might look at that and say, yeah, John, I wish there was an answer to that question, but there's not. Let me encourage you today. There is an answer to this question. In fact, if you'll stick with me for the next 35 minutes, we're gonna find an answer to this question that you can absolutely use today. And just as literally as strapping on a life jacket, you can strap on these two life preservers that God wants to give to you today. He wants to carry you through this time. You know, if I could answer this question in a way that you can use today, would you want to know the answer? If I could show you how to not drown in these waves of anxiety, but how to survive and survive with joy and with strength, would you want to know the answer? Of course you would, and I sure do. So I've spent the week studying the Word of God, and I found this amazing promise that he makes to you. It's found in Philippians 4, verse 7. 
God gives you this promise, and here's how it goes. God's peace will guard your hearts. That's your emotions, your feelings, and your mind, your thoughts as you live in Christ Jesus. I mean, think about what that actually means. If this promise is true, it means that every time a fearful thought comes toward your heart, there's a protection there. Every time your mind would wander down a rabbit trail that just goes darker and darker and more negative, there's a protection there. Now, here's what's really interesting about this promise. This is one of those promises in Scripture that God says, I'll do my part if you do your part. Now, that might sound like it's not fair, but let me give you a really practical example of this. Right? Thanks to the federal government, most of us will soon be getting in the mail checks for $1,200. Hallelujah, right? It's going to be great. And I know you've got plans for yours. For some of you, it's to pay the mortgage. For some of you, it's to get food. But here's the thing. When that check arrives, you've got to do your part, don't you? This is a picture of mobile depositing a check, right? If, if that check arrives to you from the federal government and you just leave it in an envelope and you put it in a desk drawer, its promise will not apply to you. It's available to you, but you do have to do your part. It's as simple as opening your banking app, taking a picture of the check, and depositing the check. Now, in a similar way, God says, if you want to experience this perfect peace that can guard your heart and guard your mind, here's what you need to do. It's found just a few sentences earlier, and God's word says this, tell God what you need. I just think about that with me. This is really so simple. Tell him what you need. If you need money for your mortgage payment, tell him that. If you need peace, tell him that. If, if you need to be free from anxiety and you just feel like I'm drowning in this sea of anxiety, tell him that. And look at this. Thank him for all he's done. You know, in our family, we've been doing this, not only telling him our needs, but we've been saying, thank you that we have a roof over our head. And thank you for our dog. Thank you that we have each other. Uh, thank you just for all these different things. And once you start to get specific, you can go on and on and on. And look at this. It's after you tell God your needs and after you thank him for all he's done, then you will experience his peace. And his peace exceeds anything we can understand. Or some of the older translations of scripture say surpasses understanding. It's a peace that defies logic. It's a peace that you can have right in the middle of the storm. Even as the waves continue to crash over you and around you, you can have this peace of God right in the storm as you're telling him what you need and you're thanking him for all he's done. It doesn't mean that the water's not still cold. It doesn't mean that there's not salt water in your eyes and they're stinging, right? It's not saying you're humanly comfortable, but even though you're uncomfortable, this peace is available if you'll tell God what you need and if you'll thank him for what he's done. You know, really what this passage is describing is having a conversation with God. Uh, when I think about having a conversation, I think back to the 1990s when I was in middle school. Those of you who lived through the 1990s will recognize this. This is called a cordless phone. All right, now if you're younger than, you know, probably about 20 years old, you might not know what this is. It's not a cell phone. It, it was a landline phone in the house. I remember when I was in middle school, I had a crush on this girl. 
And I talked her into becoming my phone pal. It was like pen pals, but we would call each other every day. In fact, I can even remember her phone number. It was 633-3347. I'm not going to tell you the area code because I know some of you would give her a call or her parents, okay? But here's the thing. We would leave messages on our parents' answering machines, and then when we'd finally connect, we'd talk for a long, long time. Why? Because I liked her. I wanted to hear what was going on in her life. I mean, those of you who are younger than 20, you got to be so thankful because we would have one phone line and as siblings, it'd be like, when are you going to get off the phone so I can use the phone? Now, most of you know what this kind of relationship is like where you've got someone you talk to and it doesn't always have to be romantic or, or even, you know, super soft and cuddly. But even as guys, there's guys you talk to about what's actually going on in your life. Guys you talk to when you're afraid of losing your job. And this is the way that God wants to be with you. In fact, I would make this contrast. It's one thing to have this kind of friendship, and it's another when you go to the Department of Motor Vehicles to get your license renewed or to register your vehicle, and what do you do? You take a number. You take a number, and then you sit in a cold, sterile waiting room, and you look up at the screen, and you wait for your number to get called, and you go up and you conduct your business. Now, here's my question. When it comes to you talking with God, which of these two is a better, accurate representation of how your conversations with God go? Okay, I'm not, I'm not saying this in a shame way or a guilt way. Okay, I'm not trying to guilt you or anything here. I'm just asking you, which one is, which one is it? Now, God's happy if you come to him in a take-a-number fashion. That's better than not coming to him at all. But the peace that is a life preserver, that carries us through seas of anxiety, it comes when we start talking to God a little bit more like this. Now, if all you've ever done with God is the take a number, God, here's my three requests for the day, and then you move on with life, it's a baby step. And here's what I suspect in this time of quarantine and virus and chaos. God wants each one of us to experience him more than we ever have before. And so maybe your step is, you know, John, I've never really prayed. And today you start saying, hey, God, I'm just going to start praying to you. If you feel weird about praying, do this. This is what I do. You go out to your car. You close the doors. No one else can hear you. You just talk out loud to God. Others of you, you've been praying to God for years. And it's now that you realize, wow, if I really want to experience God's peace in this time, I really got to be talking to him a lot more. I got to be seeing him as a companion. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which surpasses understanding. You know, when Mel and I first got married, we were on a really tight budget. And I remember every once in a while, either she or I would make breakfast in bed for the other person, and we would bring it to the other person. But we didn't yet have one of these trays. It was not in our budget. So we'd bring the food and we'd set it on the bed. And maybe you've experienced this. Maybe you even experienced it with one of these trays, right? You just move a little bit on the bed. And because it's cushioned, the whole surface moves. And before you know it, the orange juice is spilled or the coffee is spilled. And it was this great idea of breakfast in bed. And now it's just this disastrous mess. Mel was sharing with me this last week that isn't this kind of how all of us feel right now? Right? We had our lives planned out. 
We had our routines and our jobs and our relationships and we had all these pieces that were just set the way we wanted them and it's like someone came and just jumped and jumped and jumped on the bed and all our plans are spilled and it's all just a mess and it's like the bed is still shaking and we're wondering when is life going to get back to normal? How do I adjust to whatever this new normal is? I know for you, you had plans, you had routines, you had a life, you had dreams, and now you might feel like you're just trapped in a prison. A prison of house arrest, a prison of anxiety, Uh, for some even the prison of a hospital bed. You know, this passage we've been reading in Philippians 4 is actually written by a person who was in prison. Paul was an early Christian, a first generation Christian and he lost everything for following Christ he lost his home his family his health and then he was wrongly imprisoned and what's so unique about this passage we're reading Philippians 4 is that as Paul writes to you and says hey in your sea of anxiety as cold and salty as the water is There is a life preserver of peace that can hold you up, and here's how you access it. He's not writing it from an air-conditioned hotel room. He's writing it from a literal prison cell. You've got to know that these promises we're learning today, they've been proven. Paul proved them in his life. For 2,000 years, followers of Jesus have proven you can have peace in a concentration camp. You can have peace in a hurricane. You can have peace in hunger. You can have peace in persecution. You can have peace today in COVID-19. It's a peace that surpasses understanding. It's not logical. It's supernatural. And it comes to those who say, God, I'm going to talk to you through my relationship with Jesus Christ. These promises of God are written by someone who knows exactly how you feel. How unsettling it is when everything on the bed collapses and spills and here's how Paul continues he says now dear brothers and sisters one final thing fix your thoughts on what is true now people say what what is true John does that mean I get my news from this news outlet or that news outlet that's actually not the point here the point is that the word of God is the standard of what is true and so fix your thoughts on the promises of God on the character of God you can do that through worship music You can do that through the daily video devotionals I send out. And of course, you do that by reading the word of God for yourself. Now, look at this theme as it continues in verse 8. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And so, do you see this peace, how you access it? It's through your thoughts. It's through fixing your thoughts. It's through what you choose to dwell on. If you want to have this peace of God, if you really want to experience it, then you've got to be pretty intentional about the thoughts that you allow into your eyes and into your ears and you know what you're doing that right now aren't you you're filling your mind right now and your heart with the truth of God and isn't it ministering to you even in this moment keep filling your mind with the truth of God keep filling it through your eyes and through your ears and then look at verse 9 keep putting into practice it's what we call an active verb right it's You do this intentionally. All that you learned and received from me, Paul says. What's that? Well, that's essentially the New Testament. Uh, It's the books of Philemon, Philippians, Colossians, Ephesians that you can read. And then he says, it's then, as you're filling your mind with God's truth, 
and you're living out his truth, it's then that the God of peace will be with you. So let's go back to the question we're all asking right now. What can you do when you find yourself in a sea of anxiety? And here's the answer that we've seen from the word of God. We've seen that God's peace and God's purpose are the remedy for anxiety. Did you know that in your sea of anxiety, God's peace, not just peace like, oh, I listened to, you know, some nice instrumental music and it made me feel better. Nothing wrong with that. But there's a a supernatural peace God wants to give you. And there's a supernatural purpose that God wants you to be part of. And if you will tap into those two things, they are the life preservers in a sea of anxiety, a sea that would otherwise paralyze you. You can tap into these life preservers of God's peace and God's power. I'm going to show you very quickly how you can have both of these today. God's peace and God's purpose. And let's start by talking about his peace. You know, when we think about God's peace, there's really two dimensions of it. The first is peace with God, and and this is like two nations that are at peace. Did you know that because all of us have sinned, because we've all done what's wrong, and because of Satan and evil, all of us were separated from God, and the only way to be at peace with God is through Jesus Christ. Now, if you've never done that before, you can do that right now. You can call out to God through Jesus and say, I believe in Jesus. Forgive my sins. God, I want to be at peace with you. Now, once you trust in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, you are at peace with God for the rest of your life because your sins were paid for at the cross. They've been washed away. Now, there's a second dimension to this, and that's the peace of God. That's this supernatural peace that Paul experienced in a prison cell and you can experience in your sea of anxiety. Let's look at the peace with God very quickly. Romans 5.1 describes it. It says, therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith. So who's the we? It's all of us who've trusted in Jesus. Like I said, if you haven't done that before, you can do it right now. We have peace with God. How is that possible? Did we earn it? No, it's because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. When Jesus died on the cross for your sins and mine, he made it possible for us to have peace with God. So you got to have this first. If you don't have peace with God, sometimes we call it salvation, then you can't experience the supernatural peace of God. So do you know for sure that you have peace with God? This last week on Facebook, I was reading a message from a dear lady who watches our services and She said, you know, I'm feeling so much fear. I'm afraid that if I die, I won't go to heaven. And engaged with conversation with her to say, did you know, on a scale of one to 10, you can know that it's a 10 out of 10 that when you breathe your last breath, you'll be in heaven. I wonder for you watching on a scale of one to 10, would you say, how certain are you that if you were to die today that you'd wake up in heaven? Is it a six out of 10? Is it a seven? Is it a three? God wants you to know that it's a 10 out of 10. And this verse tells you how. You place your faith in the work of Jesus on the cross. And you say, God, I believe Jesus died for my sins. I admit that I'm a sinner. Lord, would you forgive my sins? Would you apply what Jesus did on the cross to me? I want to be at peace with you. And the moment you do that, God adopts you into his family. He gives you the gift of eternal life. 
and he gives you the gift of the peace of God in this life. Let's look at a verse that represents the peace of God. John 14, 27, Jesus says this, I'm leaving you with a gift. This peace of God that we're describing, this life preserver in a sea of anxiety, it's actually a gift that Jesus gives us through the Holy Spirit. And he said, peace of mind and heart. I want to give you the gift of peace in your mind and in your heart. And the peace I give you, it's a gift that the world can't give. So when the government writes you a stimulus check, that's one level of peace. Or when a doctor says you, you tested negative, you're not sick, that's one level of peace. But Jesus says, I'm going to give you a kind of peace that the world can't even touch. I'm going to give you a kind of peace that even if you don't get a stimulus check or it's not enough or the test comes back positive and you're in a hospital bed, this peace can carry you through even that sea of anxiety. This is the peace of God. I wonder, do you know the peace of God today? I'm convinced from my own experience that there are many, many believers in Jesus who are adopted into the family of God and will spend eternity in heaven because they've trusted in Jesus, but they've never really experienced the peace of God. You know why that is? It's because most often when we're going through a hard time, we just pray, God, do provide for the mortgage or do help the sick person get healthy or help me get healthy. And we're still living at that level of circumstances. And by the way, those are okay things to pray for. But if you really want to experience the peace of God, you'll have to go through some waves. You'll have to go through some circumstances that you couldn't make it through on your own. And it's in that time that you call out to God, just like we learned in Philippians 4. You tell him all your needs. You thank him for the things you can be thankful for. And you say, God, I want to experience this peace that surpasses understanding, this peace that the world can't give. It's available. It's available. And I happen to believe that many of us who know Christ, but we haven't experienced this lately, that as we go through this crisis, God wants to grow us so that we do experience the peace of God, even in the storm. You know, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about how my kids, they love to drink with straws. You know, when you've got a straw, you can't drink out of two drinks at once. When you have one straw, you've got to pick which drink are you going to drink out of. Now, we saw in Philippians 4 that this peace of God that guards our minds and our hearts, it has so much to do with our thoughts. And so, how do we control our thoughts? Well, typically, it's what we look at. It's what we listen to. And there's nothing wrong with looking at and listening to the news or social media or Netflix or other people's opinions. Those are not evil things. But every time we do that, it is like drinking through the straw of our thoughts, and we fill our mind with those things. And here's the thing. God's truth, his promises, it's a whole other category. And I'm not saying you shouldn't ever watch the news or be on social media, not by any means. But here's what I've learned. When I'm not experiencing the peace of God, it's because I've just been drinking all sorts of other information. And how do I get back to experiencing the peace of God? I have to intentionally move my straw. I have to intentionally say, I'm going to drink from God's truth. 
Because here's the thing, God has a reservoir, he has a deep well, he has an unlimited supply of peace that surpasses understanding, peace not as the world gives, that can carry you through, but only you can decide, are you going to drink from it? Are you going to fill your mind with it? I want to encourage you again, you are doing that in this moment. You are filling your mind with this truth. And we tell you often about our email list, and I just want to put it up briefly because if you're not yet on this, we are sending out tools every week. We have all sorts of gatherings in the middle of the week. We have a, a daily devotional. Soon I'll be sending out, here's how to study your Bible. We'll be sending out deeper Bible studies. We've got all sorts of resources to help you. Because in a time of anxiety and fear, we just got to stock up. We got to eat more and more of God's truth. Drink more and more of his truth. It's kind of like a high school football player when they're doing those crazy workouts. And afterwards, they can go out to a restaurant and they can eat like a ton of pasta or Mexican food. They can just eat like 10 meals, right? Because they're burning so many calories. And as we're going through so much fear, so much anxiety, we got to up our intake of the Word of God. we got to get it in our ears and in our eyes any way we can. Every Christian song, every Bible study, anything you can do, keep filling your mind with it. Look at these three little pullouts from Philippians 4. Tell God what you need. Fix your thoughts. Think about things. Do you see the theme here? I want to encourage you, you can do this. I just got a message this last week from someone who's part of our church who lives in Los Angeles. She's actually a screenwriter in L.A. And she said she listens to our messages not only on the weekend but all throughout the week. And one of those messages, I had talked about how reading a psalm and a proverb will help set your mind on God. And she described in the message that she got one of these life application study Bibles. She started reading a psalm every day, reading a proverb every day, that she's been doing this for a while now, and it's directing her emotions. It's directing her choices. And actually what it'll do over time is direct the course of her life. Why is she experiencing the peace of God in this sea of anxiety? It's because she's doing these basic things. Got another message this week from someone who lives right here in central Indiana who's part of our brick-and-mortar church. And that's, that person also said, John, I got one of the Life Application Study Bibles, and it's changing my life as I read the Word of God. I just want to encourage you. You can do this. And just like any relationship, it grows one step at a time. And if you think, I've never read the Bible, I've never really prayed, just take your next step. And some of you, you're further along, but God's saying, take your next step. You've known me, you've seen me do miracles, but you're still looking for the peace of the world. I want you to experience the peace of God that the world can't even give. You know, when I think about that kind of peace, I think about one of my great heroes. Her name's Harriet Tubman. You've probably heard of Harriet Tubman. She was a slave and she escaped slavery in the South before the Civil War. And then Harriet Tubman, she could have just run to the North and just spent the rest of her life saying, I'm so glad I got out of that. But you know what? As a follower of Jesus, she gave her life to go back into the South and find other slaves and free them. And through that network of churches and ministers and believers and abolitionists known as the Underground Railroad, Harriet Tubman would run back into danger to rescue and bring many others out. Now, if you read any quality biography of Harriet Tubman, 
or a good movie about her life, you'll see that she was constantly talking to God. She was constantly saying, God, as we run through this cold winter night and there's slave traders behind us, do we go right or do we go left? Do we cross the creek or do we go down in the ravine? And she would ask him. Every single choice, she would ask him. To the point that if you could transport her into modern day times, most atheists and agnostics would say, well, that lady's just delusional. She's talking to herself. But she wasn't delusional. She was talking to the same real God who wants to hear you today. Ask him, do I pay this bill or do I pay that bill? Do I go up or do I go down? What do I do with my business? What do I do with my employees? God, my my mom's in the nursing home and she's so angry that I won't visit her. She can't understand why I don't visit her. God, what do I do? Show me what to do. This is how Harriet Tubman lived her life and God carried her through seas that would have paralyzed other people in anxiety. And she got through them because she talked to God. She experienced the peace of God. She also got through them because of the second life preserver that we're learning about, and that is purpose. Harriet Tubman had a purpose. And because of her faith in God and her conversations with God, she set thousands of other slaves free. First, you've got to have peace with God. Then you start to experience the peace of God. And if anxiety still comes knocking at your door, then get busy doing the purposes of God. That's what we've been doing as a church. Here's a picture this last week of that first delivery of the 200,000 N95 type masks that we got to secure in partnership with other local churches. Here's a picture this last week of one of our staff members, Denise McLeese, dropping off a check here at Hendricks Regional Health, a check that will provide meals for 1,000 of their frontline workers as those frontline workers are are working these long, exhausting days, just emotionally so taxing and physically so taxing, and they will get a sterile, well-prepared meal, 1,000 of them, because we as a church, were acting with purpose. You know, there's an old saying that you rarely meet a discouraged activist. If anxiety and fear are overtaking you, then say, God, how can I be about your purposes? Even from my home, who can I be texting? Who can I be calling? Who can I be emailing? What can I be doing in town? Here's a picture from the first of two blood drives. We're doing two of them here at our facility. And and we're so thankful for the opportunities that God is giving us as a church. Now, as you think about how God wants to use you, as you think about the power of having a purpose, I want to show you a video that Facebook made about the power of reaching out and connecting with others in this time of crisis. Let's have a look. Was that a pivotal historical moment we just went stumbling past? Oh, here we are. Dancing in the rumbling dark So come a little closer Give me something to grasp Give me your beautiful crumbling heart We're working every dread day that is given us Feeling like the person people meet really isn't us Like we're gonna buckle underneath the trouble Like any minute now the struggle's gonna finish us And then we smile at all our friends 
Even when I'm weak and I'm breaking, I stand weeping at the train station because I can see your faces. There is so much peace to be found in people's faces. I love people's faces. You know, God loves people's faces. God wants to use your face. He wants to use your heart. He wants to use your relationships to give hope to others. Yes, a hope that's in the moment. Yes, a mask to cover their mouth. Yes, a meal to feed them. Yes, blood for their body. But he wants to give them even more. He wants to give them an eternal life. He wants to give them an assurance that even if everything doesn't go okay in this world, there's another world. And I want to invite you, would you join me in this moment in not being a victim of what's happening in the world, but becoming an activist for the purposes of God? Would you join me in saying, God, you placed me at this moment in history for a purpose. Here's what we're doing as a church. Yes, we're giving meals. We're giving masks. We're giving blood. But the greatest thing that we can give is immortality. That you're, you can live forever through Jesus. You can have eternal life through Christ. Would you join me in saying, God, I'm not going to live as a victim. I'm going to live on purpose. Here's what Hebrews 9 says about all these people around us who are desperately drowning in this sea of anxiety. I mean, we're in the sea and the water's cold, but we have the life preserver of salvation through Christ. We know that no matter how bad it gets here, this isn't the end for us. But open your eyes. There's people on your street. There's people in your workplace. There's people in your family. They don't have the hope of eternal life. Hebrews 9 says this, Each person is destined to die once. We will all die. Whether it's from COVID-19 or from old age, we will all breathe a final breath. God has destined this. We will never earn our way out of it. And after that comes a judgment. Now a judgment is a fearful thing if you're not at peace with God. But a judgment is not a fearful thing if you are at peace with God. Every year when you do your taxes, it's a judgment and if you've paid your taxes, it's not a fearful thing. You might even get a rebate. But if you haven't paid them, it is a fearful thing. If you've placed your faith in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, this judgment will be a welcome home child of God. So as we go through this crisis, yes, God wants to give you peace. And he will as you fix your mind on him. But more than just peace, he's got a purpose for you because there's millions of people around us. People who could be watching our Easter message next weekend. People you know who God wants them to stand before him and be welcomed into his presence. Here's the promise we have in Isaiah 26. Those who die in the Lord will live. You know, if I, whether I die from COVID-19 or I die from old age or I die in a car accident, this body is a tent. It will wear out, but my soul will live forever and their bodies, those who are in the Lord, will rise again. 
Those who sleep in the earth will rise up and sing for joy when we looked out and say, wow, God, this is a house instead of a tent. This is an amazing body you have for me for all of eternity because of Jesus. I love what Paul the Apostle writes in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, I want to bring the weak to Christ. Right? So many people around us, they're just desperately looking for hope. And he says, yes, I try to find common ground with everyone. And don't we all have common ground right now? We're all in this sea of anxiety together. And Paul says, I'm doing everything I can to save some. Now here's the thing, a week from today, I will be preaching the word of God in a way that is 100% packaged to be delivered to a person who's never believed. Will you join me in doing everything you can so that that person you know, who you don't know if they're gonna be in heaven, you do everything you can to make sure they're watching that message. Just like maybe you've got older parents and you said, you've gotta make me a promise, you will not leave your house because I don't want you to catch this virus. You can do the same thing. You gotta make me a promise. Watch Easter with me at the exact same time. We might be in different buildings, but watch it at the same time. You know, here's the reality of the world around us. It's, it's like a great shipwreck at night. And this sea of anxiety that we find ourselves in, it's scary and the water's cold and it's salt water in our eyes and we're frightened. And by all means, the first thing you gotta do is make sure you've got yourself the life vest of salvation through Jesus. And then as you know his salvation, here's what he wants you to do today. He wants you to look up. I know the waves are beating at your face. I know they're going right over top of you and it's hard. But he says, look up. Because there's people who are struggling in the water. There's people who are flailing and they don't have salvation. They don't have the peace of God that surpasses understanding. They don't have a purpose that is eternal. Go to them. How do we do that when we can't physically go to people and invite them? Here's what we're doing. We're texting these invites to everyone who we want to be in heaven with us. We're texting these Easter invites. And if you're on our email list, you'll get these. But I want you to pull your phone out right now. If you're watching on your phone, get ready to push those two buttons to take a screenshot. And here's what I want you to do. I'm actually going to do it along with you. I'm going to take a screenshot as well. And I want you to take a screenshot of this invite. It's going to take over your screen in a minute. And as you take that picture right now, I want you to immediately take that picture and text it. I'm doing it with you right now. I'm opening the photo and I'm texting it. And I've already selected, but you can type them in right now. Five people or pick three if you want. Three people who you want to be in heaven with you. Maybe it's a relative. Maybe it's your daughter. Maybe it's your grandma. Maybe it's your mom, your brother. Maybe it's a coworker, a relative, a loved one, an old college roommate. Let the Spirit of God prompt you right now. Take that picture and in this moment, text it to the people who you want to be in heaven with you. And here's what I can tell you as we close our time today. The waves of anxiety... The cold salt water, yes, it will continue to beat against us. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. God has a peace for you that surpasses understanding. And as you fix your mind on his word, you'll experience it. He has a purpose for you that lifts you up above anxiety. And instead of thinking, am I going to drown? You start looking around at the people who have no life preserver and you swim to them. Text them, email them, 
call them, bug them. Join me in these next six days. Say, between now and our Easter services, every day I'm going to pray for just a little bit. God, would you use this Easter? The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And God, every day I'm going to text or I'm going to email just three more people. Day after day, join me. I believe God placed you at this moment because there's people you know who God wants to be in heaven and no one else can reach them. Would you pray that together with me right now? Father, I just thank you, Lord, that these promises of Jesus, they carry us through the storms. You've given us a peace that those who don't know you, they can't even understand it, that we can lay on our deathbeds and we can be perfectly calm, knowing that to be absent from this body is to be present with you. And God, I pray even now for anyone who doesn't have that peace that right now they would say, God, I want peace with you through Jesus. Lord, for those of us who've experienced that, you want to grow us. That like Paul the Apostle writing from a prison cell in the prisons of our homes and the prisons of anxiety, we would experience the peace of God that surpasses understanding. Peace, not as the world gives, but as only Jesus himself can give. And God, it's very rare to meet a discouraged activist. Would we transform in this moment from being victims of our circumstances to becoming activists? Would we latch on to the very purpose of God? That yes, the waters are cold and the salt water's stinging our eyes, but there's people around us who don't have a life preserver at all. They're drowning in the waves, Lord. They're drowning and they have no hope. Give us your heart. Give us your eyes. Make us sons and daughters who find our strength in you and then swim to others, that we'd swim to others and we'd give them your hope. Lord, we worship you now as a God who lifts us out of anxiety and uses us to be the light of the world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.